Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 237. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Now, welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by the amazing Blueprint MCAT team, typically one of the live online course instructors. If you haven't checked out the new live online course from Blueprint MCAT, Go check them out at blueprintmcat.com. If you're looking for some accountability in your MCAT prep, live online is what you need. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. We're continuing our breakdown of Blueprint MCAT Full Length 1, Psych Soch, Passage 7, hanging out with Dorothy. Dorothy, back for some more MCAT podcasts. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. Psychos. I've been I've been doing pretty well. I don't know, maybe 126, 127. I'm hoping maybe we can get uh, as our score. Um, as we continue on, we're at the end of the day, right? Psychos mm-hmm. is the end of the day. What advice do you have for people to keep up their stamina as this test drags on? Yeah, for me. I kind of motivated myself by saying, hey, psychosocial is kind of the easiest in terms of just not super in-depth in terms of like, you don't have to know any pathways, you don't have to know any mechanisms, you don't have to bring in equations, but it is difficult because it requires you to be familiar with these terminologies to be able to apply them to new contexts. So I'm like, okay, it's kind of a little bit of an easier section, but it's also one that really requires top focus and top motivation and top um, intensity of focus. And so being able to motivate yourself, whatever way works for you, like I can be done after this and then I have, I'm free, whatever it is that motivates you, I think um, it's one final stretch, but an important stretch for you to do well on. Um, as Ryan said, I think the psych social section is arguably probably the easiest to increase your score on because it is a lot of you know, memorization of concepts, being able to apply them into new scenarios. So it is also one that I think med schools will look at because it is. Um, a little easier in terms of just the content that's there versus chemphys and biobiochem. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our next passage today, passage seven. Again, this is from Blueprint MCAT Full Length 1, which everyone gets for free, as well as a half-length diagnostic, uh, which we may be covering soon, and a study planning tool and so much more over at blueprintmcat.com. All right. Awesome. So passage seven, to what extent is race a social construct versus a biological construct? 
Those who would support that race is a biological contend that there are genetic differences between racial groups, that racism is in part, in large part, defined by biological characteristics, and that not acknowledging the reality of the biology of race serves to undermine the experiences of individuals who are defined by others in terms of biological characteristics. All right, so first paragraph down, we we're kind of trying to answer this question of is race a social construct or is it a biological construct? Are there biological components of race or is it purely something that we have constructed as a society? And so I'd probably highlight that initial question because that seems to be where this passage is heading. And then also just noting that this paragraph is talking about the biological um, argument for race. All right, next paragraph. Those who contend that race is a social construct point out that race has a multiplicity of definitions and that the definition of race changes across cultures and over time. An example of how the concept of race changed over time is that in order to expand the potential pool of slaves, the definition of who was considered black was expanded to include individuals with any ancestors who were black. And so now we kind of switch gears a little bit. We're talking about the other side of the equation here. So here in this second paragraph, we're talking about the um, arguments for the social construct, for race being a social construct, something that we choose to define based on certain parameters as defined by society. So probably would highlight that social construct piece. And also this idea that race changes across cultures and over time, right? We can mold our definition of race based on the setting. And that's how they did. Um, that's what they did for expanding that pool of slaves at that time. Awesome. Yeah. Third paragraph. The concept of relationality is useful in considering how races or ethnicities come to be defined. Races are not defined in a vacuum, but are rather defined in contrast to one another. In earlier times in the United States, distinctions among different groups of European immigrants by country of origin was emphasized as these groups competed for jobs. The groups of immigrants were related to each other in their common goal of obtaining employment and contrasted in terms of country of origin, a salient characteristic useful to, to define individuals as belonging to a certain ethnicity. So this paragraph, I would probably highlight um, races are not defined in a vacuum, but are rather defined in contrast to one another. So that piece of being defined in contrast to one another, this is where we're talking about relation, relationality and how we use that to define race and ethnicity as well. We do have some examples. I probably wouldn't highlight that example because I feel like it illustrates that point quite well. I can always come back as needed if I need to get further clarity on this point from that paragraph. Awesome. Next paragraph, and I think this is the last one of this passage. To examine the influence of social class on race in a society in which race is considered to be a more fluid construct, a study was conducted in Brazil in which participants were asked to classify images of individuals as being either black or white. Participants were also given information about the individuals and the images in terms of social class. Based on the information that was given, the individuals in the images were considered to be either in a high class, high social class, so high class, or a low social class, parentheses, low class. The percentage of individuals who are classified as being black or white are presented by class as follows. And so in this paragraph, before we even look at the figure here, we are given a study. So I really want to break down that study a bit more make sure I understand it before I look at my figure and move on to the questions. 
So here, participants are shown pictures of individuals and are told whether they are high class or low class. And then our participants are asked to classify each person slash image as being either black or white. So kind of making sure I have a clear mental picture there, you can highlight as needed in order to help you out there. But I would maybe highlight the high social class or low social class part um, in that second to last sentence there. And then also they are being asked to classify images of individuals as being either black or white. So in that, at the end of that first sentence there, I'd probably also highlight that part. All right. And now let's look at our figure here. So figure one, percent of individuals classified as being either black or white by social class. And we've got two pie charts. On the left, we've got one that is talking about percent of black and white individuals in low class. And we've got 63% um, black in that low class category and then 37% classified as white in that low class category. And on the other side, percent of black and white individuals in high class. So 41% black individuals classified as high class, 59% classified as high class um, for white as well. And so we kind of have a relationship here. So more black people are being classified as low class and more white people are being classified as high class. Um, so probably would just note that trend before moving on to questions. All right, question 35. That participants in Brazil might have interpreted the classifications of, quote, black and, quote, white to be a reflection of social class rather than race represents what type of critique of the methodology? A, a critique of the construct validity. B, a critique of the external validity. See a critique of the criterion validity or D, a critique of the randomization. So because they classified black and white to be a reflection of social class rather than race, how, why, how can we critique that? So, hmm, here's a place where definitions come in, right? What's construct <laughs> validity, external validity, criterion validity. Uh, randomization doesn't seem like, like, that's the oddball out, so I just throw that right. one out. Um, so construct validity, that to me potentially is, without remembering this definition, is just how is the study, the methodology kind of constructed? Is, hmm, yeah. is, that, is that correct? Um, yeah, like kind of how the terms of the study are defined. Like, does the test actually measure what it's supposed to measure? Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, external valid validity to me, just without knowing the definition is potentially like, it, it, does that mean something outside of the study potentially impacting the results? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so external validity is kind of associated with generalizability. So can, how well can we extrapolate the findings from our study to the overall population? Essentially, how much can we um, take what we learned from the study and just say that that's true of the overall population? So um, that's controlled by different controls that you use in your study, how you um, try and mimic the overall population in your actual sample. Okay. 
Um, and then criterion validity. I don't know the cr criteria of whatever you're studying potentially. So, mm -hmm. I mean, construct validity just seems like the easiest one to pick here because if, if the study is not put together right, then, hey, maybe that's why we got the, the differences. Right. Yeah. A is correct. It is a critique of construct validity. Um, I think you're right in just classifying construct validity as just being broader than the criterion. Um, validity. So criterion is just whether a specific variable is able to protect a certain outcome. But in this case, we're told that, you know, maybe they didn't actually answer the question or they didn't actually classify based on the correct understanding of what they were trying to go for. And so that in itself is contract validity if they're actually testing the participant's understanding of social class rather than race. Mm. Yeah. Awesome uh, job. All right, question 36. All right. Which concept is most useful in explaining the results of the relationship between race and social class in the study? And we've got A, heredity, B, socialization, C, poverty, and D, conflict theory. So we're looking at the results of the relationship between race and social class. Which concept is most useful in explaining the results? Heredity, socialization, poverty, conflict theory. So I have no idea other than socialization seems like it would have to be the right answer. <laughs> Just because like like social, like how do we see the world? That's yeah. social, social stuff to me. Uh, like poverty doesn't seem right because we're talking about high class, low class. So how can you define mm -hmm. anything high class if it's all poverty? Uh, right. Conflict theory, I have no idea if that fits here. And heredity, just, I don't know what that fits. So I'm yeah. going to go with B, socialization. B is correct. Um, yeah, I not I'm noticing that you are very good at actively rephrasing your question stems, trying to make sense of what it's saying. And essentially here is like, why are our perceptions of race and social class linked? And so it makes sense that it's socialization, which is just a lifelong process in which we learn what's acceptable and what's not and kind of disseminate social norms, customs, and things like that. So socialization all the way for this question. Yeah. Question 37, how might someone who contends that race is biologically based respond to the results of the study? A, there's a great deal of variability in how individuals are classified by social class. B, there's a great deal of variability in how individuals are classified by race. C, there's greater variation in race within r race within social classes than between social classes. Or D, there's greater variation in race between social classes than within social classes. So someone who says, hey, this is biological, not... Um, a social construct. So they're, they're arguing against what the study is showing. Um, right. There's a great deal of variability in how individuals are classified by social class. Um, I'm not sure. B, there's a great deal of variability in how individuals are classified by race. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, we, I, I assume B can't be right, right? Because if he's saying, Hey, this is biologically based, 
then there shouldn't be a lot of variability in how we're classifying people. Um, right, makes sense. So, so B doesn't seem like it would be right. Greater variation in race within social classes than between social classes um, versus greater variation in race between social classes than within. So answer choice seem, seems like maybe it's more correct than D. So I'm going to throw D out because D is basically what the study came to, right? That there's variation in race between social classes than within social classes, I think. Um, so I'm left with A or C just based on my breakdown there. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with C. Yeah. Thanks. It's C. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> this I, is actually rated a tough question. Yeah. I, I don't know why I pick C. So, so there's a great deal of variability in how individuals are classified by social class. That to me tells me less about anything than it seems like C gives me more of a direct, like, here's a reason. Yeah. I, I, I definitely see what you mean. I think, Oftentimes, the MCAT actually does this a lot. They'll group two answer choices together in terms of just being similar. So in this case, A and B are similar because they both talk about kind of individual variability and in how people were classified. Um, but we actually aren't given that information. We don't really have enough data to support each participant rated people differently, right? Each person, each person in the image got rated differently as well. We don't really know the breakdown of how people were rated. So we actually don't know if there's necessarily variability here. But as you mentioned, C and D are a little bit more specific as to this, is it a construct or is it a, is it a social construct or is it a biological construct? And so for C and D, I like to think about um, extremes here. So if race is truly a social construct based on social class, then that means race and social class must be intimately linked. So that would mean we would see either all white people rated as high class and all black people rated as low class or vice versa, right? Because it's just purely based on social class. But that's really not what we see here. We see more variability than that. So race can't purely be a social construct. And therefore, there must perhaps be some biological component at play here. And so C is probably what would support the fact that there may be some biological component to race. No. That was a hard one. <clears throat> Going with your gut, though. I love it. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. 38 years are mine. I forget. I think it's mine. All right. <laughs> All right. Question 38. What variable could be introduced to the study to evaluate attitudes towards race and class from a symbolic interactionism perspective? So we kind of have to be thinking about symbolic interactionism, what we know there. A, participants' level of, of exposure to different races and classes. B, participants' mental states during the study. C, the purpose of participants' classifications. And D, participants' view of biology versus social constructs. So we have to know the definition of symbolic interactionism. <laughs> and mm -hmm. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to just go with my gut because uh, that's, that's usually how psychos sometimes works for me. Uh, yeah. right. Interaction. We go interactionism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interaction. Uh, and 
answer choice A is interaction, a participant's yeah. level of exposure to different races and classes. So just from that one word, I'm going to go with A because I don't know anything else. And you'd be correct. I think <laughs> symbolic interaction with them is kind of a micro sociology concept where you're looking at small scale perspectives and small interactions, exactly, between individuals. So exposure to different races and classes that would be that would fall under the umbrella of just interactions between people also on a larger scale with like larger social groups as well um, the other ones just aren't quite as relevant to the idea of interaction interacting with others and what we can learn from that yeah so moral mm-hmm. of the story just go with your gut <laughs> <laughs> yeah what i'm noticing with psych is a lot of the times it's testing things that we kind of know from our life experiences. So we've seen these things happen in actual life in real society, but we're just assigning academic terms to those phenomena. And so a lot of the times they are somewhat intuitive. Sometimes they're not quite so much, but when they are more intuitive in this case, then it can really help. Yeah. All right. Awesome set of passages and some discreets that we've done with you. Thanks so much for coming on the MCAT podcast and sharing your wisdom. My pleasure. It's been so fun. All right. There you have it. Psych Soch is killer. As I'm recording this intro, I had another amazing session with Dorothy. And, and Psych Soch, is just, it's, it's a hard. Like some of it was easy. And then a lot of it was hard because there's just so much you have to memorize. So don't, don't, don't forget to go check out an amazing episode that I did with one of the older blueprint instructors back in episode 336 of the pre-med years. Again, that's premedyears.com slash 336, where I do a deep dive with Phil about how to ace the MCAT psych social section. About uh, the the stat that he gave was about uh, 20% of his students aced the psych social section using the strategies that you'll learn there. So go check it out. Again, that's premediers.com slash 336. And don't forget to go sign up for a free account over at blueprintmcat.com to get access to this full-length exam that we've been covering here on the podcast, as well as a half-length diagnostic and their amazing study planner tool and, and amazing flashcards that are out now. This is MedEd Media.